Welcome to the Cultured Chameleon Podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm here with my co-host today, Eugene. And it's good to be back. Um, if you're not familiar with the Cultured Chameleon Podcast, uh, we're basically two adult third culture kids, um, which sounds kind of weird, coming together to talk about um, <laughs> different aspects and topics about um, third culture life, hence the Cultured Chameleon. And um, we're also talking about mental health as well and how that kind of intersects with our day-to-day life because um, we have a passion for both of those kind of intertwining. So today we actually have a little bit of a different topic compared to the other episodes. Um, and Eugene and I were both just talking right now, <laughs> um, kind of saying like this is, it's like a different feeling because it feels like there's more pressure uh, to talk about this one. Um, like you mentioned, a sense of gravity uh, for going into this. So um, the topic uh, today is, is going to be very broad, but we're going to touch on different aspects of it from a um, Christian worldview perspective, uh, as well as a TCK perspective, and then mental health as well, and kind of see how that all goes into that. So, um, so the topic is suffering. Thanks for starting that off for us, Lucas. <clears throat> and yeah, there certainly seems to be a greater sense of gravity and weight on this topic, especially since a lot of these kind of experiences are dear and personal and also incite a lot of anger and sadness as well when people hear about this, especially with regards to how it relates to maybe someone's spiritual beliefs or their perceptions on mental health. But still... <clears throat> We find that it's an important topic because one thing that I found in the literature is what it talks about loss and grief with regards to TCKs and how a lot of TCKs experience unseen losses and griefs. And I think for a lot of the population, sometimes the TCKs themselves don't understand what that looks like. And since you're moving around, it may not feel like such a big deal until later on. And that might manifest itself in ways in which you don't expect. Mm-hmm. So just trying to create awareness on this kind of topic and maybe see what the listeners might think of it as well. Lucas, have there any have there been any kind of losses or griefs that have really impacted you that you felt like maybe you didn't notice right away or maybe that other people didn't notice that you're going through? And you're just walking around and carrying this weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so kind of to the, because <clears throat> I was thinking about this earlier because we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about suffering and um, part of who I would like to be and kind of like practice and emulate um, as a person who is also vulnerable um, in a healthy way by like sharing things that have on our personal, um, things that I have worked through, things that I'm still working on. And so I was kind of thinking before we started this, what are some things that, you know, have been suffering? Cause it's personal. It's not something that people really wanna, it's not something, I won't say people, I'll say it's not something that I always wanna talk about, but it is something that is necessary to talk about. And so kind of going into that, I think there are, a lot of different ways people can suffer. 
or kind of experience that. So it's, it's very broad. It's very personal. Um, one person's suffering is not going to be the same as someone else's, but that pain, um, and that reality is, is a reality. It's true. It's like, it's hard to negate that and say, that's, it's not as bad as mine or something like that. Um, so that's kind of the first thing is that everybody who goes through a time of suffering, whatever that might look like, um, that's a real existence and reality that people are walking through. And so there are definitely a lot of times in my life that I've gone through that in different, um, like different degrees. Um, like the time that I talked about last time when I moved from Texas to Germany, that was a time of, of um, uncertainty. For me, as an 11 year old, that was kind of like, well, this this is like suffering to a degree. Um, there's other times like when there are relationships involved and you go through breakup, that's like, for any teenager, that's like real like, that's your first suffering moment in some cases. Um, and then there's the family dynamics too, depending on where you come from or what your family dynamics are like. Um, for me, um, I'll be personal here too. Um, for me, it was always, um, we have family fights sometimes and those, you know, were not fun. Um, it was like in a moment when we're all transitioning, going through culture shock together, figuring out how things work as a family again. And so those are, are moments of like, that's also an intense suffering. So there are always going to be a lot of places to point in life, especially um, that I can point at my life for sure, where I was like, that's just not a fun time or experience. And um, yeah, kind of keep it to that and that answer. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and thanks for being vulnerable and sharing on that. I know it can be tough because again, these are very sensitive topics sometimes. And they can be difficult to share. Mm -hmm. So thanks yeah. for sharing. And something that I found interesting when reading about suffering, there's a lot of books, of course, written about pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. There's one that I'd recommend to our listeners if you haven't read it yet. It's called Where Is God When It Hurts? I think that's a really good one. But something that I found interesting is sometimes those who suffer and go through these kind of experiences are some of the greatest teachers. Oftentimes, people like to relegate their suffering or describe others as suffering and box it in as some sort of character building, which is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certainly instances of like developing perseverance and whatnot, but I also find that the life experiences that people go through also enable them to become excellent teachers. Mm -hmm. So yeah. my intuition and my relationship with you tells me that those experiences with your family, girlfriends, <laughs> and those kind of losses have enabled you and allowed you and enriched your experiences, which then allow you to teach and impart wisdom and knowledge to other people. Yeah. And that's something that I find is pretty precious because there's something to be said about learning things from a textbook, which we both have done <laughs> recently. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this whole other aspect of going through that, 
going through the thought process and the relationships while we suffer. Yes. Yeah. And and another thing, just to tag on this on, it looked like you're about to say something. No, no, yeah, go okay. ahead. You're good. You're good. <clears throat> that I find interesting when I read the literature is also like suffering gives you great opportunity to really bond with the people that you care about in a way that you might not otherwise. For instance, to put it um, shortly, I think people are designed for intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. Whether all of us will like to acknowledge that or not, I'll tell you personally, I that was a tough one for me to come to realize because I love my independence. That's just who I was growing up in that <laughs> way. But we all need that connection and intimacy. And I think when we suffer, it gives us an opportunity to see each other in that state of vulnerability and really care for one another in a deep, intimate way where we know each other. And sometimes I don't want to say that not that suffering is the only way to do this, but I feel like or from what I, I know, experience and have read, it allows you to really depend on your community, for example, when you don't have, because those people need to step up and care. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good points in that and just sharing what you shared from what you've read as well as your own personal um, kind of style of connecting with people or learning how to connect with people is that there is a, when people go through times of trial as a group or a community, um, there's a huge bonding experience. There's a sense of togetherness. And that's definitely seen in the literature, like when you look at um, crises, um, like natural or man-made, um, like whenever there is a hurricane, like in, in the Americas, um, when there's a hurricane and there's a lot of damage, you kind of have a, a honeymoon phase <laughs> is what they call it. And that's where everybody's coming together Everybody's supporting, everybody's giving their shirts off their backs to people who need it and working together to kind of rebuild, reconnect, and just, you know, mourn, grieve with each other in different ways. So there's a definite, like that's an observation. It's it's there and people need it. We need it <laughs> as, as people, um, as humans. And um, so I think there's a, it's a very good point um, to make for that. But I mean, there are people who don't have that community too. And so it's, it's a very nuanced too. It's like when someone is completely alone and they're going through times of intense trials, it's like, what is that person? How does that person find hope? How does that person continue to persevere? And there's so many things I'm just talking. I'm like, there's so many things we can talk about here. Um, I'll try not to make it too broad because we're just doing a really bad job at talking about this. Oh yeah. And that's great that, oh yeah, there definitely is. And people, people suffer in so many different ways. So it's hard. It's definitely hard to box in those experiences, but I like how you touched on hope because there's a lot of good literature on hope as well. Viktor Frankl, for example, writes about logotherapy, and he's one with, 
he's a person with a lot of interesting experiences. He was a, he survived, he's a Holocaust survivor from my understanding. Yeah. And he survived the Jewish camps. One thing that he noticed and that's why he writes about what he writes about is that for those who were able to find hope and meaning in their suffering, those people had a better chance of surviving that situation. And I think that's such a crucial thing to have is knowing and understanding like what your purpose is in this suffering and what meaning there is behind it, because it's going to be really difficult to go through that. And on this earth, unless i don't know you're some one in a billion like you're gonna go through some type of suffering so finding that meaning and purpose in life is really gonna be really important with regards to surviving that yeah a lot of literature on the mental health um side of this will also tell you like what you think about your schemas your thought patterns your cognition your schemas Mm -hmm. those all play heavily into your depressive mood, your outlook on yourself, your self-worth, the future, um, the world, others, your ability to, how you perceive your previous interests, all these tie in. So one thing that he talks talks about is the importance of finding meaning in all this. And what I think is important is also what we're focused on. From a Christian perspective, like our focus on God is gonna play hugely into this and this one thing that i found interesting was um the story of job Mm -hmm. job for example at the end of all of it he kind of asked god basically why why me right he was an upright person he did everything by the book exactly did everything by the book (laughs) satan challenges god about job because job is basically an outstanding human being (laughs) so he's testing god and if you look at God's response, it almost boils down to you're, you don't understand. Like you, you're not going to have the mental capacity to understand all the intricacies as to why I allowed this to happen. Yeah. But the important thing that he reminds Job is who he is. Like he's a creator of the universe. Everything submits to him. He's sovereign and he's good. And Job's responsibility is to trust him and to focus on who he is to carry him through that suffering. And this is where some of these topics get tough because people do question like, why me? I remember as a TCK, I remember thinking that like, why me? Why do I have to go through these experiences that I don't like? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you allowing, if you're such a good God, why not make this easier and allow me to experience this character building, you know, this understanding and appreciation through easier means. Yeah. This the story of Job is interesting. It's like one of the. Um, it's kind of like one of there's so, okay so there's so many stories in the Bible. Pretty much everything, almost everything is kind of very tra- is tragic. <laughs> there's a lot of death. Uh, there is a lot of anger and hurt and war and famine and all these things that kind of go through all of the different stories of the Bible. And Job is just that one in particular where it's very like, um, it's like, dang, it's like this guy is going through. Yeah. Like just as an individual, 
He's just going through a ringer of heavy, heavy blows, losing his family, losing everything he owns. Um, and I guess it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's painting a very, it's painting a personal picture of suffering and what it looks like to suffer. You could say like in a, in a, in a godly way, I guess. Um, one thing I actually never liked about the story of Job, even though it kind of has like a happy ending, sort of like where he gets everything back, um, like tenfold, um, and everything is like is hopeful again, even though he went through that. Um, is that is that answer of when he's asking why did you let this happen? Like why am I going through this? Like he's really challenging God, and God is like, well, you don't understand. I created everything like you said. And um, I don't have to answer you was was kind of what it boiled down to is like you you don't need to have that answer and trust me makes sense theologically. I hate that answer though because it really because I want to know you know I, I like you said too I want to know why I have to go through this or why do other people have to go through this. Um, and maybe that's part of why we're wanting to become counselors is because we <laughs> have, um, uh, for some reason, like a desire to hear other people's painful stories and we want to sit with people who are going through that. Yeah. Definitely want to sit with people that go through that. And I think that's part of the calling, right? Where the body of Christ, his hands and feet on earth. So our job is to like love others through that. And if we're not responding to that call and being responsible, you're going to have people that are alone and not a part of community and not connected, which is why I think it's an important job for all, all those who love God and also all those who don't to get an understanding of that anyways. People can't live on an island. That's just not how we're designed to be. And for those who care, it's important to reach out and help those in need yeah. because when people ask where God is like that's he's in the people that follow him right acting as his hands and feet <clears throat> but so that's why I think it's important to sit with those who suffer more like you said mourn with those who mourn mm -hmm. yeah because like that's the way like that's one way to experience his love yeah. in like a physical and tangible way but yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with that frustration. I totally <laughs> want to know. I want to know, but I think about it a lot as a result. That's... And I think one thing, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, is, I mean, I imagine his thoughts are so much greater than ours. And like his understanding is so vast that I think Job couldn't digest it. Like... For example, when I think about it, and I could be wrong, one thing that gives me a little clarity and insight, I guess, as I was thinking about it right now is, mm -hmm. like, let's say part of that purpose or part of that why is so, like, two guys could do a podcast on it and, like, help or maybe not help, but speak to other people that, like, are suffering and whatnot. And it doesn't have to be, like, two guys doing a podcast. It could be anyone in the future the God, God would have to explain to him like what mics are, what podcasts are. Like there's so many things that are beyond his comprehension at that time. 
And okay. that would play into like why that happened mm-hmm. kind of thing. And the way I see God kind of like my understanding of like his sovereignty over our lives, there must be so many things intertwined. Like when I think of people's testimonies and how they interact with other people, it's like so many things are like put into play by God. It would take like a long time to explain each step to us. So that's how I imagine like part of that being. Part of why the answer is you would never understand. I don't know. In a sense. I could be wrong, but that's how I intuit that. It's like, because I, it's, it's because I share that frustration <laughs> that makes me dwell on that. But something tells me that my, my brain, my comprehension on this time wouldn't be able to, to understand that. And another thing, I think we, like our lives on earth, while it's great to gain knowledge and understanding, the primary purpose isn't to know everything. <clears throat> yeah. Everything. Yes. Yeah, it's to it's to love God mm-hmm. and understand his love as best as we can and then love others. Yeah. Do and you we'll, when um because I know you mentioned earlier just saying like there's um you know there's a sense of like uh calling and purpose, like if like as Victor Frankl kind of put it like in his in his literature and his theories, is like if you can find meaning. And if you can find purpose in the suffering, then you have a higher chance of finding hope and persevering through that experience. Um, but also like touching on, you know, like the the question of like, why? Like, why, why do we have to go? Why do people have to experience pain and suffering um, in different degrees, you know, from like the worst things that people can imagine to like a little kid stumbling and falling down. (laughs) And that's like for him, just the worst. Um, Do you think there's always a, um, a reason? Well, I guess I should rephrase that. It sounds like you think there's always a reason behind suffering that maybe we don't always know how to explain it. Um, Sometimes I think kind of putting it out there. Sometimes I think, it's you can't reason through some of the things that happen like there is no real answer to you know the things that we read on the news um like in the case of the uvalde shooting in texas it's like put a put an answer down for why that was supposed to happen (laughs) it's like a short like a (laughs) Bullet point answer. Bullet I think, point answer. I think, Why? yeah, it's hard to reason through that. And I guess I want to clarify. I imagine that some of these answers might be vast. And in particulars, it's more so like, I don't think that for the particulars, I know the extent of the reasoning. But there are certain things that I know as to why that like have caused like suffering and have led to it. For example, like the fall. Can you explain the fall yeah. for those who don't know what that is? <laughs> so part of that would be, and this relates to our free will. In essence, it's the idea that God gives us free will and the purpose of this being so that we can freely choose to love him. But a consequence of that 
is that we can also choose not to love him. And it's because of our choice to put other things and other loves before God that I believe um, suffering occurs. And the fall, in essence, was the idea that the story of Adam and Eve, for those who haven't heard, they weren't supposed to eat from the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And they disobeyed and they chose to do that. And because of that, essentially, they fell out of their intimate relationship with God. And this produces a lot of a program and shame. And they find themselves hiding away from him. And it's interesting because if you look at the scriptures, God's trying to search them and have that relationship. But because of what happens, that relationship is damaged. And this eventually leads to the story of like Christ coming and becoming a sacrifice so that we can repent and that relationship relationship can be restored. And once that relationship is restored, it allows us to begin the healing process for like our horizontal relationships with each other. And I think that's at the crux of it is a lot of times idolatry, I think in ways that we don't even realize can preclude our ability to love one another well and therefore like lead to suffering. Like a lot of these actions from one paradigm is caused by failing moral failures, but in a bigger picture, failures to be in a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So kind of taking that, uh, looking at the fall in the sense of the fall was the introduction of, I guess, sin into life and the ability to choose willingly to love and obey God and also not to. So there's the choice not to, which then incurs evil or actions that are, that, you know, people can say like, well, that's morally um, not right um, or ethically not right. And um, kind of going down that path as well, as well as making good decisions or, or doing good things for people, having relationships and connecting as well. Um, and so kind of, so that's kind of like the basis for suffering in a sense. That's yeah. And, here. and that would be an example of like the broader, a broader answer to like why mm -hmm. God might allow suffering. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like that's, it's more of a general, it's more of a general idea and there's a lot of merit to it in my opinion, but specifically why this specific incident happened to this specific person might be difficult to just write down on a simple line or maybe it's or maybe it is no yeah i i, I agree i um i mean i've i've held on to that as well and certainly growing up um in germany that was you know a lot of the questions that i got as well as like well if there is a God and he is good, why is there suffering? <laughs> when I was younger, I was like, that's a great question. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have any answers for that. Um, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of things to work through, just theologically, like who is God? Why is there suffering? Is there evil? 
philosophically also looking at that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, just like, you know, yeah, as a, as a younger person thinking like, what are other things that I can do to help? Um, which also led to counseling and, and things like that. Um, but I think it's a good kind of like foundation to have in a sense. It's, it's a, it's a worldview. It's, it's one that I also adhere to and, and kind of think kind of helps formulate a lot of my beliefs and understandings as well. And, um, and I do think it's very hard. I don't think, sorry, I should rephrase that. I don't think it's easy to give a, um, a simple answer to somebody who is going through a traumatic experience or a crisis or anything like that to simply sum it up in, well, this is purposeful or, you know, there's this God and there's the fall and all this kind of, you can't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think it speaks a lot about your heart that it moves you in that direction of wanting to work as a counselor and sit with those who are suffering. And something tells me that maybe that's also part of the why, because it allows other members of God to show love in that capacity. Like mm. for you anyway, you've done a lot of learning. <laughs> you've gone through your experiences and a lot goes into the care that you provide for the people that you talk with. And it sounds like, I don't want to say that this justifies whatever evil goes on, but there is a benefit to you and posturing your heart in a way that allows you to care and love for other people. And that's part of fulfilling like your purpose as his follower, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It creates that opportunity. And that's what I find interesting about, because I've thought about that for a lot of my life. The whole idea of, well, if there's a good God and he's all powerful, how does he allow for like this magnitude essentially is what a lot of detractors will say, like, how is there this magnitude of suffering? If he was so wise and omnipotent, why didn't he make this an easier path? And there's, you can go on a huge philosophical debate. So many things. <laughs> for good, good amount of time, which I have done in my past. <laughs> but the, the important thing is that with all the arguments and all the delineating of different philosophical ideas, whether or not they're valid or sound, the important thing is that we do learn to show love to one another, mm -hmm. which is why I think ultimately we're not like we're primarily designed and here to develop hearts, souls that love one another and love God. Yeah. And when we're fulfilling that, I think that helps retroactively individuals understand the why and the meaning behind the suffering. Okay. So I, through the, through the reasoning of, you know, why is this happening to me or to us? Um, one, it, it gets, it, it shows, it displays, um, the church um being the hands and feet and caring for people who are going through whatever they may be going through um and that kind of is one way of saying like well this is also part of the reason for suffering in a sense yeah it gives us an opportunity to show love to one another and choose that 
one thing that I find interesting is one thing that suffering allows us to do is for us to, to seek God, not for his gifts. So if every time, if my relationship with God or with an, like with another being was always good that every time I was obedient or disobeyed, I got whatever I wanted. It's hard to say whether or not that relation was based on, and my love was based on what I got from that being, or if it's because I truly like love the being in itself, itself. So for example, I'm just going to use a classic example. A guy who's really rich has a girlfriend and <laughs> basically she's with him because of all the gifts he gives her. This is just a generalization. I'm not saying all girls are like this or at all, but this is just an generalization or like a, a kid who likes his father because the father just gives him like a lot of toys. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say whether or not that kid is choosing to be with his father because of the things he gives him or because like of his love for the father and it's of itself. And that's not to say that God's going to like not give you these things or it's bad to appreciate them. But I think there's a deeper sense of love when like you choose your spouse, choose your friends, even when it's tough. I think it cultivates like a different kind of intimacy and love with them. Then if I was just friends with someone for their popularity or they got all the attention they want, like I wanted. Yeah. Isn't there um, something in like group dynamics called transactional analysis or something like that, where the, the relationship is based off the transactions that occur. So if you have equal amounts of positive transactions, like I give you this, you give me this, and it's balanced, then we're good. We have a good relationship. But once things become either indebted um, <laughs> or like one, one person gives more and the other person doesn't give enough, then the relationship is almost like terminated because, I mean, there's, there's no cost benefits. It's, benefits are not there. Cost is way too high. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not worth it. It's, it's not worth it, no, in that sense. And so, yeah. So there's a lot of different things kind of going out here, like different type of uh, strings. Uh, but in a, in, a, in a nutshell then, in a sense, because of suffering and because of free will to choose of how we love God and or if we don't love God in a sense, um, let, me, let me take that back because what I'm about to say doesn't make any sense now. Um, but because of suffering, there is a choice to make of how we interact. One, with the suffering experience, like how we respond to it. People respond in many different ways. Um, but also what we do, it's like, do we isolate? Do we seek out other people? Will other people come seek me out when I'm suffering? Like, well, do I have a good enough community of people who really care about me that will come? Um, whether they're Christian or not, because people who aren't Christian still help people. Um, <laughs> but in a sense, you know, because of that question of like, why do people go through such intense, you know, suffering experiences? Because of those things, it is almost an answer to, well, this is why, because it gives 
people um, a real authentic opportunity to meet someone who's in desperate need in a genuine moment. And I think that is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Tying that together. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a great way. That's a great summary. <laughs> a great way to tie it on. It just, and from the Christian perspective, this, our time here is not that like it's eternally valuable in the sense that we are here to develop and cultivate that love and that soul that yearns for God. But also it's like a, it's like a blip in eternity. If you think about the time here, it's that like is eternally meaningful and that suffering is small compared to what we have to enjoy for the rest of eternity. Yeah. And I think that all this, I guess all this to say is this time here on earth really is to develop that kind of character. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's really difficult to cultivate that type of mindset. Um, to have that idea of like, well, my suffering now is a blip in the context of eternity. But as and, Christians, that's kind of like how, that's kind of the perception there. Yeah, and I don't want to minim like, I was trying to think about how to say it because I don't want to minimize like the suffering also. And that's why I think the focus is important. It's like remembering that this is eternally significant mm -hmm. and that there is an end and there's hope. But it's not to say that the suffering wasn't there, that I'm just gonna white knuckle through it, that other people's suffering doesn't matter because like we're gonna die and go to heaven kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. If anything, like it's more important and the gravity is even more there because I think one of the great things also is because like I get to live with God in the present. I don't have to wait for a certain time to experience that relationship with him. So I can be present and experience that joy while suffering. And this can be a very, I think it's a very hard concept to grasp. And even for myself for the longest time, Yeah, I think some, and another word that I've been like, that I've enjoyed and liked is contentment being fine, being able to find that peace, and inner joy, not necessarily that you're happy, because that can be a that can be a problematic metric for relationship with God. Some people think because I'm not happy. Or relationships in general. In general, exactly. Yeah. Like that that must mean like God is far, this marriage is terrible. I think there's some kind of peace also knowing that suffering is part of this life. And it gives me an opportunity if I'm focused on the right things to really transform my life and transform others and the transformation of my life and others is eternally significant. Mm -hmm. It matters. Yeah. As much as, as much as I hate going through painful experiences, <laughs> there is always a part of me that has an understanding of like, well, every time I've gone through some of these, experiences they've also been the most transformational experiences as well like um in the in the long term and um yeah 
I think you, yeah, I think you make some good points there. And I think like, that's where I end up getting more particular with the whys in my life anyway, Mm -hmm. is when I look back, I can see, oh, these things happen because of this. And sometimes like lately anyway, what I've realized is a lot of these things happen so I can be edifying towards someone else. Like I went through this wasn't just for me, but it's also so I can give back to someone else. That's, and that's been rewarding to me. Like that's been like meaningful and satisfying. And I think when we fulfill our purpose, yeah, when we fulfill our purpose and what we're meant to do, that's where we're going to find true satisfaction. A lot of times in today's culture, I think we're taught just to seek happiness, maximize our own pleasure. It's a very utilitarian approach to moral ethics. But I think that like you're going to, if you're just chasing happiness and if happiness is in the future, that's never going to come. Yeah. I think the chasing happiness only goes so far. I think, I mean, there's... There is a truth, though, to experiencing happiness and joy. Um, it's definitely something that you want to have. <laughs> <We're> not, <laughs> it's saying, <definitely> preferred. <laughs> not saying go through life suffering. Exactly. That's that's not really the idea. But yeah. But I I, I hear what you're saying in the, in the sense of the the metric of happiness is not a good metric for life, and having contentment or or joy or maybe a different mindset when troubles come those are going to be better tools to kind of help as well as a community to kind of help you go through that yeah it's not to say that definitely not saying don't enjoy life and good things when they come do celebrate with people some of the most interesting verses i find are Verses about God singing over us, rejoicing over us. Zephaniah sing, like talks about him delighting in us. And if you miss out, and that, that's very important in my opinion. If you miss out on the, don't miss out on the fact that like God has an emotive rejoicing love over his children. Like yeah. if, if you're going to go through this, where are you going to find your joys understanding his love? Because you can't, we love because he first loved us. And that love is deeper than it's deeper than just follow these commandments, obey these things, and I'm detached from you. I don't think that's accurate at all. If anything, he's with us. He's his spirit resides in us. Yeah. And and I would also say like to that is is we also have an example of Jesus suffering as well. And so that that's maybe ties in like a different picture of Jesus who was uh, fully man and fully God also suffered greatly. And that is, I guess one, in some sense you could say that that's a symbol of how people can persevere. You know, one of the simpler thousands, um, but in another more personal context, it's also, this is a God who is showing his love by going through so much suffering, 
so that we can have a restored relationship with him again. And it's also, you know, because in scripture it also says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Um, Jesus is saying, take up your cross and follow me. And so that is in a sense like an implication of you're going to go through difficult times like I did, but I'm also letting you know that there's hope at the end as well. Yeah. Because of it, I mean, that was the, it was hope at the end. He came back to life and death was defeated because death couldn't kill him. Yeah, that's good. Hope is definitely very key. I think that ties into what we focus on and that meaning that we find behind it. Like Christ was doing God's work, his father's work. And even in his prayer, he asked God to take the cup away from him. That's how like intense, and I can't imagine for him especially, he knew very clearly what he was going through. He was betrayed. People like spat, like people humiliated him. But he still, because of his perspective, and because he he had a good understanding of his purpose and his love for us, like he was able to endure that, mm-hmm. and God being with him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So many good things. Yeah. Honestly. Heavy, yeah. Heavy topics. Heavy topics. Yeah. I'm just, I was just thinking like that, that image of carrying a cross, like carrying your burdens is, is like so personal too. Cause we can also carry our burdens. We know whatever baggage people have in their lives or yeah. I have in my life is in a sense, kind of like a cross, um, whatever you want to chalk that into. But it's it's being able to to carry those well and to kind of persevere through those things. I think I don't know. I just think it's a really good image to show how others can do this as well. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a great metaphor also for all the baggage that we take with us. What do you think has been some helpful things where you've experienced love from others or that you've given and shown that to others while you suffered Mm. or went through losses? Can you repeat that again? Yeah. (laughs) And if if nothing notable stands out, then whatever. But I'm just asking, I guess, because sometimes I can imagine one might ask, like, how do I love with someone who's mourning or grieving or they experience loss? What have you found like helpful for you to experience that love? Or what do you think you've been able to do for someone else so they can experience that? How has someone been able to mourn well with you or grieve well? Yeah. And yeah. live life with you? And how have you been able to do that with someone else? I think um, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind, uh, I told you this story once, I think, um, but in, in our first semester of our of our grad program, when we were doing our, so in our first semester of our master's program, we have skills and skills and technique techniques like class, mm. where we basically learn all these 
basic listening skills um, and reflecting skills for when we are with uh, clients. Um, really helpful. I learned a lot. Um, but in that time, actually, I also went through uh, a breakup, uh, which was an unexpected kind of uh, breakup um, at the very end of our semester in that class. And at the end of that semester, you have a, it's a pass fail um, class. Oh, brutal. And at the end of the semester, the, the final exam, so to say, is a, uh, is a 30 minute session with your, with your friend, like your peer. Um, and I was not doing too hot with the listening skills and my professor, uh, Dr. Smith was, uh, telling me many times over, you're not listening. And I was oh. like, I, I think I am. <laughs> um, that one is tough. That class is tough. And she kept, um, she kept pointing out, she's like, you really, you really need to kind of bring up these skills that I'm trying to tell you what to do. Um, because it's, you're not, you're not doing a good job. And so this is a pass or fail class. So there's a lot of pressure because if you, if you don't pass that class, you're basically done with the program that the program is over for you. And mind listeners, this is one of the, it's like a boot. It almost <laughs> gives you that feeling of like boot camp. It's a tough class. A lot like some kids fail. It's designed to hone your skills. It's a uh, what's it called? It's um gatekeeping. Yeah, it yeah. is good gatekeeping. It is, that's it's a, right, a gatekeeping that's a class. Right word. And um, so there's a lot of pressure, and um, and then that um, life experience happened to me right at the end, where I have to do the final uh, exam, I guess. And um, I'm talking to my professor, Doctor Smith. I'm like. Um, you know, this is a lot of pain I'm going through right now and a lot of yeah. existential, like, what am I doing with my life? Um, what is my purpose? I don't feel like I'm doing a good job <laughs> and you're telling me I'm not doing a good job. So I'm now reconsidering my entire life career option. Um, a lot of things intersecting. With one another. A lot of things intersecting. And I remember what she told me in that time of, for me, which was personal suffering, um, she said, okay, so we're gonna practice what we preach as counselors. You're going through some difficult times right now. What is your self-care plan? And I wanted to say, freak you, <laughs> because I don't wanna talk about self-care plans right now. Um, and she basically made me create a self-care plan in the sense of these are the things that I'm going to do um, to take care of myself, to be ready to go into that final 30 minute session and be present and listen well to someone else who's going through their own suffering. Mm. And it was a very experiential kind of like putting what we learn into practice of like, as a as a counselor, the whole idea is I sit with other people in their pain, in their suffering, and I listen well, and I make sure they're understood and heard. And then we try to find meaning and hope and work on those things that we can work on to, you know, move out of this or, or find something else um, that's healthier or more fulfilling. 
But when you're also going through that, it's incredibly hard to listen to other people. And so that was a a really cool moment looking back because I'm like, oh, cool. I really put that into practice <laughs> and I passed. <laughs> um, but in that moment too, I, I, it was also like jarring. And so there are going to be people in life who listen. There are also going to be people in life who are going to give you like the tools and say, this is what you should do. And they're all good things. I think the only thing to note is a time and a place. When is it a time and a place to listen? I would say almost all the time. Sometimes it's not good to give skills and opinions right away. But at a certain point, when there is trust and a good relationship built, then there is a time and a place to maybe offer solutions um, or maybe a different opinion that might help. Um, they're both good. They're just not always um, liked. <laughs> um, that's kind of what I would say to that in a sense. Man, yeah, that'd be tough. I didn't even think about all the things that you're going through like on top of that. And I guess that's that's going to be the experience of counselors and that's why we have that gatekeeping because you're going to have your person, like we are going to have our personal relationships that affect us on a day-to-day basis and how we manage that and how we're ma- how we're able to yeah navigate that is going to affect how we're able to know love one another so that's pretty cool that you did end up passing yeah thank goodness <laughs> i was very scared for that for that time there um but you know same question for you you know what are or what, what has been a time where you've been going through something that someone has either helped or not helped, or maybe the other way around, some time where you're able to like demonstrate well what it means to connect and love someone else uh, in their moment of pain. So this is what it feels like when I ask my questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, experiencing that overarching genuineness of and congruence of care. Yeah. Now I think about it. For example, like hanging out with you and your family during this time, because I've basically moved here alone. And just being able to sit and just do mundane things but understand like i'm cared for i think in a genuine way has great impact when it's done well it's even better when it's not done as well i'm like yeah well i think this person being genuine at least and that that speaks to me because it's going to be tough sometimes to be spot on with caring for someone as they need listening is definitely awesome when i can the times that we've had some conversations and you've listened well, been able to understand my perspective, being heard. And I think the idea of also being known and still being able to have that relationship is is very meaningful and helpful, I think. 
for me personally. And that has been something that's been helpful through various transitions of my life. And, and yeah, with different moves, it's having friends that understand me and are able to, I guess, listen. I think especially as a, as a TCK, even though I'm an adult, <laughs> as we mentioned before, <laughs> you have a lot of experiences that not everyone can relate to and some stories that you kind of just want to share. So it's kind of nice when I, when I can share those things. I think someone that I can just trust and just sit with for a bit. And I think I do value that more than just solutions right away. But again, sometimes just receiving that wisdom is, is great too. And like you said, I think it did, it depends heavily on the relationship. And if you look at statistics also with regards to counseling, the therapeutic relationship accounts for probably like 30 to 40%. I forget exactly. I think it's 30. No, no, I think it's 40%. It's one of those two. Clearly, I don't remember very well. <laughs> but but it's one of those two percents, which is that's pretty significant if you think about it. It's not so much the particular theory you it's operate not the treatment, from. not really. Yeah. Well, uh, like those, yeah. like, and those, I mean, those things can tie into it, right? They can right. tie into the relationship. But it's more so what that relationship is like. And I think that the same goes for me, is knowing, is like feeling that genuine care and having that growing relationship. And sometimes that looks different with each person, I think. And I think it's definitely different when I can share those experiences differently and be understood. Yeah. And relate, like you feel really like you can relate to someone. right? Yeah. I think because you mentioned at the, at the onset of the, the podcast today <clears throat> that um, kind of like, building intimacy or like staying connected with people is as a little bit more difficult because you like your independence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the experiences that you have had moving here from, from Canada and kind of being on your own here and then COVID happened too, which was like, there's more isolation. Um, having um our family kind of be there and do the mundane things with you like hey eugene can you help <laughs> chip wood <laughs> <laughs> um i mean it's it's just what a family does in a sense um but also being heard and understood by um not just me i'd say also the you know the other people in my family as well because i think we understand you know, what you might be going through in some sense and in other senses we don't, and that's okay. But that was also a chance for you to share and explain what it is like for you. Yeah. That's the thing I find very interesting. Sometimes it's like super implicit. Like there's a sense of, because of certain actions, I understand, like there's a sense of you understand also because of certain actions. It's weird. Now that I think about it, 
Like what actions? They just invite, like, it's that whole inviting me for Christmas and Thanksgivings, but also how there's interest in my experiences in that domain. It just implicitly tells me you understand there's a sense of, oh, if I do these things, or if I talk to this person in this way, I'm doing it because I know that, that there's this kind of underlying need for it. And also, I assume anyway, you appreciate it. <laughs> like, you would appreciate it if you're in that situation. Like, you get it yeah. to that degree. Yeah. <clears throat> so, definitely that. But yeah, That's it's kind of yeah. funny when I think of it. Because there's definitely like, yeah, we can share things, but there's this weird... Like, I knew in the back of my head, I kind of knew that you'd uh, you'd have this sense of familiarity going to an airport, even though we didn't talk about it before. <laughs> Something just told me that this, this would be the case because of that. Right. So I always found that, like, very interesting. And, yeah, I like what you said about being a family. Because that relationship is really close and very intimate. And sometimes, like, we need that. As someone who loves their independence. I encourage those, and I know it's difficult. Is It is 100% difficult to make friends. I get it. But like try. And if it doesn't work with whoever, that's okay. There'll be other people that I'm very sure that eventually you'll find that you can click with. That So that is my encouragement to you. It's not hopeless just because whatever happened. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out. Like, just try and you'll find, and if you rely on God and search him, like, there is hope through the suffering. I I wholeheartedly believe this. Like, trust in him, focus on him, and search those relationships. Even if sometimes you feel like you're pouring in more. Of course, I'm not encouraging, don't get into any abusive relationships either. <laughs> so, boundaries, <laughs> boundaries are important. <laughs> But it's okay to try and it's okay to make mistakes in your relationships. But that's what family kind of is, right? It's that sense of security where I can make these mistakes, but I'm still going to be loved and accepted for who I am. And I think that's huge because that's how God sees us, right? Hmm. For those of like those who are his children, he loves you regardless of your quote unquote moral failings, how perfect you are. Like he's happy that you're his and he will sanctify you through that process. As long as you keep searching him and focusing on him and the suffering he allows and the disciplining allows us to practice obedience and that love for him and one another. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, anyway, it's like a beautiful thing that cultivates through all these kind of experiences. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up the end of the podcast here in that sense. So thank you, Eugene, for for sharing that as a, as something for others to kind of chew on and think about in terms of suffering and relationships and finding hope and meaning and love. Um, but for us, for Eugene and I, I think there's a definite understanding that there is a a God out there who loves and accepts you for who you are, 
uh, and wants that relationship with you as well and is willing to be there with you and everything that you go through. Um, at least that's been my experience. So thank you guys for tuning in again um, to the Cultured Chameleon podcast. Um, we will see you guys next week. <laughs>